are listening to the Project Weight Loss Podcast, where your best life is just one project away. And now, your host and life coach, Fina Perez. Hello, everyone. Oh my goodness, did I have fun this weekend. And I have an adventure to tell you because, well, adventures seem to follow me. (laughs) But before that, how are you? How was the week? I hope it was all right. I hope you're all right. And you know, I was thinking about you this week. As the season winds down, I was wondering how you're doing. I invite you to message me and let me know how it goes for you at Fina at projectweightloss.org. Fina at projectweightloss.org. I was thinking about you and I was thinking about my clients. We just wrapped up our Project 66 reboot and I'm really excited about my clients. They did great and are so re-energized in their lives. Things are really fantastic. They feel great, look great, and are truly, in my mind, truly living their best lives in this moment. I think the reboot was exactly what was needed for them and for me too. We learned so much from teaching and doing. And the great success of my beautiful clients got me thinking about you. Let me know how you are doing and how I can help you. I will be opening another reboot in October, and I'm really excited to get that going. More to come on that when I return from the Camino trip in late September. So today, the topic is something that I think will be useful to you on your project weight loss journey and on living your best life. You've heard me say on the podcast to ask whether what you're thinking is a fact or is a story you're telling yourself, but I've never really unraveled this concept. I've not really gone into it exactly and shared what I meant by that. And to some extent, this understanding is a way of getting ourselves out of the river of misery, the woeful stories that we sometimes tell ourselves. I also want us to look at some common thoughts that we think about our bodies as well. And well, This is important for those of us who have struggled with body image issues or with the drama that is accompanied with those interesting stories we tell ourselves. And the last, the third thing I want to talk with you about is why it matters in the end. And for us, it matters because it really goes a long way to getting us to live our best lives. Because when we can have a paradigm shift of how we see our lives, how we react to our lives, and how we react and then act towards others, towards other stories, then that's when true transformation happens, the paradigm shift And that's the topic today. But first, can I just say that I think Remy and I were being shot at at El Dorado Hills this last week. Okay. Did you gasp? I know, right? I tell you these adventures. So here goes the story. Remy, he says it was definitely not that we were being shot at, but I don't know. Let me explain. So Remy and I decided to do a strenuous evening hike during our weekend getaway Because even though we're doing a mini vacation, I still have Camino training to handle. And after having a lot of fun getting to know Apple Hill, which is lovely, by the way, lots to do. In any case, well, this evening hike in El Dorado was a very steep hike down to the river. We started the hike late and we estimated that we would have daylight for about a half an hour and we were getting close to the bottom. And the sun had pretty much set and it was beautiful. Of course, 
we did not want to be hiking in complete darkness. So we headed back. And as we were walking up this steep hill, I heard gunshots sounding more like a rifle. So not a big deal, but it was a little strange. Someone was shooting at something in the thick canopy of this hiking trail. Now, hunting season has not officially started for rifles is my understanding. And you're not supposed to shoot where people are unless you're at a shooting range or in a private land and are within your city ordinances. But somebody was shooting out there and I don't think they should have been shooting in the park area. Then we hear what sounds like an automatic type rifle some sub sort of automatic weapon. And at this point, I'm thinking, what is going on here? Then it starts to get serious because then we hear a handgun type of weapon being set off and it sounded super close to us. So much so that both Remy and I ducked a bit. And you know, that bing sound where it kind of feels like it ricochets, like it buzzes by your ears. Well, that's what it sounded like to me. Remy then yells out, hey, people are here really loud. And he grabs a big rock. Now, I was so proud of him for being brave like that. I was not so brave initially, let me tell you. (laughs) I thought, wow, someone is shooting at us. What's happening? And I felt some fear in me. And I looked at Remy and like I said, I was so proud of him. But then Remy recalls that the shooting stopped after he yelled out. I don't remember it that way. I remember the shooting continuing a little bit after he yelled out. In any case, we remember the stories a little differently. But either way, it was initially a little jarring, a little scary. And as this was happening, about halfway up the mountain, I realized that I was not afraid. I asked myself, do you really think someone is shooting at you, Fee? Now, here you are, an older couple. I mean, we're not old, super old or anything like that, but we're not spring chickens. And there we are going up this hill for an evening walk. Now, really, is someone shooting at you? Then I thought, well, if they are or if they're not, I don't know. But the thought I want to think is that I'm not afraid and I will focus on my hike with my honey. Alert, but not afraid. So even if someone's trying to shoot at me, can you believe that? I could not believe my mind. I was so, it was really incredibly helpful at that moment. I perked up, picked up my pace, and thought the real danger here is whether they shoot at my honey. And for a moment, I thought I should be on the other side of him to block any bullets. But you know, he had already thought about that because he was on that side. And for a split second, my thoughts were brave thoughts. After the initial scare from the thought of someone is shooting at us, then I thought, you know what? We're going to be okay. Remy and I are going to be okay. And if we're not, we're together. And that's what matters. We are together. So what was the facts of the shooting? Well, someone or someones were shooting. They had different type of weapons. They were in the vicinity. So what happened? We took our hike. Remy yelled out. A little bit after that, they stopped shooting. And we got to the truck. We hiked up the the mountain. And next to us was another truck, which Rem believes 
it belonged to the shooters and no one else was around at the staging area on this park. Who, what they were shooting, that they were even shooting at us, all of that was my story. And I qualified it by saying it was scary. And yet, if I'm being factual, I was not scared at the end. Really, I was not. But I thought about that and thought how interesting it is that we can create these stories in our minds about everything that happens to us. One moment, we're really afraid and worried, and the next, we're okay, in our minds at least. So to really get at this concept of what is the story and what is the fact, we need to do some discovery and ask some questions. Let's start with the facts. What are the facts? So the facts are what we can agree to be true, proven to be true. For example, I'll give you something totally separate, right? Someone is recording on a meeting record and you heard the person say something. You can say this person said X, Y, Z, and the meeting record could confirm that indeed that person said X, Y, Z. For example, let's say your friend Mary said your boss is inconsiderate. Well, you can say my boss is inconsiderate and that would not be a fact. But if you said my friend Mary said my boss is inconsiderate, then that would be a fact that she said that. Not that your boss is actually inconsiderate. <laughs> Get it? It's good stuff. Another example. I know it's granular, but trust me, we all don't see this sometimes, especially me. <laughs> so let's say someone asks for your hair color. You say, my hair color is brown. Well, we can see that your hair color is brown. That is a fact. Your hair color is brown right now. Now you could have dyed it, but right now it's that color. And that is a fact. We can say that's a fact. Or if you have two children and you say, I have two children then that is a fact. We can agree you have two children, therefore it's a fact. But if you say my two children are driving me nuts, well, that is a story based on a thought you're thinking at that moment. The other thing about a fact is that we have to agree it's a fact. So let's say that some people will say a certain extreme religion is wrong because it's extreme. Well, that's not a fact because those people that follow that religion fervently would disagree with you and therefore it's not a fact. Okay, so now that we discussed a little bit about this fact finding, right, to really determine what's true, let's talk a little bit about stories. What's to the storytelling? What is a story? A story is a series of thoughts of an event or someone's life. And how do we make sense of this? Really make sense where we can use this information to serve us. That is the second piece. For this, I love to examine and think about the work of the Maester Byron Katie. And guess what? Her work is literally titled The Work. Isn't that great? In its simplicity, The Work. And what she terms as the work is asking ourselves four questions. The first being to me such a pivotal question. And it's the question of, is it true? Is it a fact? And here we go looking at the initial thought of whether something is a fact. And this is why for our project weight loss, the clients that work with me, I encourage them to create a Veritas mastermind and is the reason I created my Veritas system. It is rooted in this work of searching for truth, which is what Veritas means, truth. 
I love it so much. So ask yourself, is it true? When those thoughts appear of this outfit, let's say, that looks supposedly terrible on you, I can say, this outfit looks terrible on me. I look awful. Or when somebody else body shames you and tells you or implies that you do not look good, question it. Is it true? And let me give you the answer right now. So there's no doubt. No, it's not true. It is the thought, a story we're thinking. So much of our body shaming, whether coming from us or from someone else, is a story, a thought that we're choosing to think. And we have thought so much that we end up believing these thoughts. I'll give you some thoughts that are stories and not facts. I am clumsy. I am lazy. I am stingy. I am mean. I am ruthless. I am weak. I am fat and ugly. No one can love me how I look right now. I am not worth it. You fill in the blank. They are all thoughts based on stories we have in our minds, not facts, not true. Now you can say I weigh X amount and that is outside a particular weight classification. And I will agree if it is true, but that is not what we normally say or think. We revert to I am X. And then we add all those other values, other stories. I weigh X amount and he hates me. Or I weigh X amount and no one can love me at this weight or respect me at this weight or this is not beauty, etc. Stories we tell ourselves. So again, the first question Maester Byron Katie teaches us is to ask, is it true? And it's such a pivotal question. Not that you think it is right, but is it true? Then the second question, gosh, I love her. Can you absolutely know that it's true? Again, would everyone agree that it's true? So you say you're ugly, but your mom wouldn't agree or your daughter or your best friend. So it's not true. It's a thought from a story you have told yourself or you believed at some point that someone said. And for me, this question of absolutely true is what gets me. I am on to myself when I ask this question, right? Is this absolutely true? Then the third question, how do you react when you believe that thought? So here's what's so great about her work is that it begs the question of how is this serving me? What am I making this mean when I believe this thought? What am I doing when I believe this thought? Whew. We start to really unravel it at this point. How do you react when you think the thought, no one can love me how I look right now? I can say for me, it will not be a positive reaction if I'm being truthful. So even if it were true, whatever that is, how am I reacting to that thought or fact? Am I eating as a result of that? Overeating? Am I going off plan? Am I withdrawing from my friends? Am I doing something I don't want to be doing? And I tell you right now, that is what many of us do with these thoughts, right? We go get some ice cream. We go get some chips. We grab that glass of wine, right? What is that reaction to that story? That story. Then the fourth question, who would you be without that thought? 
She's such a genius. I love this maester. Who would you be without that thought? It's like, who would you be without that luggage that you're carrying, that baggage you are carrying, right? What is weighing you down? Who would you be without what is weighing you down, right? Without that thought. Don't you just love that question? It's like we have permission to not believe all the things that create a reaction or a feeling of hurt. Permission to be without that thought. Who would you be without that thought? I am clumsy. I am lazy. I am stingy. I am mean. I am ruthless. I am weak. I am fat and ugly. No one can love me how I look right now. I am not worth it. Who would you be without those thoughts? And here's the thing about this work is that when we uncover, unmask these thoughts, we quickly want to move to resolve them. Action hero time, right? We go to correct. Let's find the correct answers. But I love to stop here for a moment and catch my breath on this last question. Who would I be without these thoughts? Well, for me, I would be at peace and I'm at peace. To be honest, I would be in a state of awareness feeling like my eyes are wide open to the situation. And this is what's so great about my story about this hike, right? Because when I became an awareness of what my thoughts were telling me, not just the situation and caution over the situation, right? Because that doesn't mean we don't act in, in, in logic or in caution. It just means that we are not acting from a state of fear. So when I became an awareness of these thoughts, I then chose to change my thinking, to change my thinking to, I'm going to be okay with my husband. We're having a nice walk. Stuff is happening. Yes. But if something were to happen, we are together. And that's where I want to be together with my loved one. All good. At the end of the day, all good. Then from here, I can do what Maester Byron Katie terms as the turnaround. And this turnaround is when we flip the script. We flip the story we're telling ourselves. So if the story is our boss is inconsiderate, then we can say, I don't get my boss. I need to understand my boss and myself better. It's a flip. Or if we think the thought I'm weak, we can do a turnaround sentence that would be the opposite of this thought. I have courage inside of me. Or the thought, no one can love me how I look right now. Then I can flip that to, I am a human being that belongs on this earth and I can respect myself right now. Can we think that thought? Or another version of the same thought, Fee says, I'm 100% lovable and therefore it is a fact that she said it. So let's make it official. Hear me. You are a hundred percent lovable and a beautiful human being, period. End of story. Now you can quote me or you can tell yourself, I can love me no matter what I look like or what anyone thinks I look like. I am beautiful on the outside and inside to me. Don't believe it. No problem. Use my version of Fee says, I'm 100% lovable and a beautiful human being. You decide, you choose. This is Byron Katie's The Work. I'm going to be doing a full episode on her work later, but I just love this master's teaching around helping us to unravel this concept of story or thoughts versus facts. It helps us to contain the river of misery we sometimes put ourselves through. 
But more importantly, Maester Byron Katie is helping us to change our paradigm, change the way we see ourselves and the way we see the world. And I love this so much. And you know, there are other maesters that teach us this. This is good stuff. You know, this is the way of the world. No one person holds these teachings. It is the way of the world. Now, the other thing that I want to talk about today, and it is in line with this perspective of stories, is that getting to know someone's story is very valuable because while it has tons of perspective and subjectivity, it is theirs. And when it's mingled with a lot of facts and some vulnerability, it can open us up to connection. So with this, I want to recount the story that illustrated this for me so well. I can't tell you how many times I have not been very patient with someone for whatever the reason. And as soon as they share their story with me, they become vulnerable with me that my perspective changes. So the turn happens with me. Knowing someone's story, someone's perspective can really enrich our own and help us stretch as human beings. So the story that I want to get to, I love recalling Stephen Covey's famous subway story. And I'm going to share it with you in case you haven't heard it. Of course, it's my recount. So please excuse the imperfection of the retelling. So the story goes that a man enters a subway car with his children and sits down next to Covey. The children are unruly, knocking people's newspapers from them loud, boisterous, really unruly. And finally, Stephen Covey can't take it anymore. And so he tells the man, sir, can't you see that your children are creating such a disturbance? Can you please handle them? And the man looks up from his stupor to Covey and says, oh, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. We just came back from the hospital and their mother just died. You're right. And the man then looks over to his children and instantly from this moment, Covey feels for the man, just like we do. Of course, the children would behave as they do. Is it right? No. And yes. Notice how you react when you believe a story, yours or someone else's. Our reaction to Covey's story at the beginning was different than the end of the story. Same facts, but different story we took in and we reacted to. So this awareness and reactions of our stories is part of our humanity and can allow us to care for ourselves and care for each other. You see, the value of this work is not just the valuable work, but the idea that this story and awareness creates a new paradigm in us, a new shift. This understanding of truth and empathy makes us take notice of our reactions to them. And this work creates a paradigm shift. Paradigm is simply how we see the world. And this is so huge. When we can see ourselves and the world in a new light of truth and understanding, it opens us up to possibilities to a world where we are living our best lives fully and out loud. Do this work. It really can change your paradigm and therefore your life. And with that, I will leave you with the words of Covey himself, Maester Covey himself. We see the world not as it is, but as we are. If you want small changes in your life, work on your attitude. But if you want big primary changes, work on your paradigm.
Have a fantastic week, everyone, and share this episode with someone you think could benefit from it. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're ready to achieve your weight loss goal and grow into your most authentic and amazing self along the way, check out our website at projectweightloss.org. See you there.